0: We start every year with an exciting feeling in our stomach, a feeling of hope. We hope the following year will go our way, new opportunities, new challenges and new promises. But a lot of those promises go out of the window in the first few weeks and we go back to our usual boring shitty life. But there are things in life that keep our excitement levels high and movies are at the top of that list, especially for myself. Each year, a new list of horror movies are announced, some we can't hardly wait to see, while others we ask, why is this getting made? Though every year an announcement of a film comes up and leaves us salivating, but once that date arrives, we leave the cinema with a sour taste in our mouth and the thought of what were they thinking circulating in our minds. In 2014 it happened with Annabelle, 2015 with the remake of Poltergeist, 2016 with Blair Witch, 2017 with Alien Covenant, and hell, even last year's Pet Cemetery remake no one liked, unless your name is Lance. But in 2018, that had the worst of the worst. A sequel to a franchise that is loved by millions was announced, and everyone was pumped. And then it was released, and silence no one could believe what they saw. Everyone questioned, what happened? How did it all go wrong? Why did it all go wrong? 2018 was the birth of one of the most disappointing sequels in recent memory, and on this episode of Horror for Dummies, we are going to discuss what the fuck went wrong with The Predator.
1: Guys, if we want to keep breathing, we need to find this thing. Expose it. It's called the Predator. It hunts people for sport. Technically that's not a it's not a predator. It's like Thank you. A hunter. I said the same thing thing earlier.
0: Welcome to the year 2020 and welcome to the first episode of the new year of Horror for Dummies. I'm your host Tim. My God, it's been a crazy few weeks. We've had fun, hope everyone out there has been safe and had a great Christmas and Happy New Year and all that stuff, but we are back and I think it's about time that we talk serious right now because we are reviewing a movie that needs a lot of discussion and it's kind of fitting that we're doing this particular movie on this particular week. It's kind of become a Horror for dummies tradition that we 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 review a a form of predator film uh, at the start of the year. It's been it's been going a few years now. So let's keep that ball rolling and keep that tradition going and we are going to be talking about the latest installment in the predator franchise and that is The Predator from 2018. Like I said, this one uh, <laughs> it needs a lot of discussion because I have a lot of things to say about it, and we're not gonna we're not gonna shy back. We are going to rip into it. We're gonna talk about what I liked about this movie, what I didn't like about this movie, the plot holes for this movie, how this movie could have been done better, the trivia. And I'm even going to give you my ideas for a new Predator film, and let's see if I came up with better ideas than what the movie we got. So, literally, there is no time to waste. Let's just dive into it. We are talking about The Predator from 2018. Let's roll that trailer. Do you
1: know what my job description is? I'm in acquisitions. I look up, and I catch what falls out of the sky. What's on the ship?
0: Tell me about the mission. Did you see anything unusual?
1: It's above our big I get a cookie now. <laughs> Look, I get it. Something went down in Mexico. Nobody wants any witnesses.
0: We need to know if you and your man, pose a threat. We're Rangers. Hey, Baxley, if your mom's vagina were a video game, it'd be rated E for everyone.
1: <laughs> Isn't posing a threat. <laughs> Predators just don't sit around making hats out of rib cages. They conquered space. But that's not what's on the horizon. Should I be worried? Riley? I think you know what is on the ship. <sighs> the ultimate Predators. Light him up! We may die. We're still here. So come and get us, motherfucker.
0: The Predator from 2018. This comes in at a 5.4 out of 10 on IMDb. And it's listed under Action Adventure Sci-Fi. Which is completely and utter bullshit because this is 100% a comedy film. It stars Boyd Holbrook as Quinn McKenna. Uh, He's been in a few things but most notably you'd know him from Logan. Unless you've never seen Logan like myself. Uh, Trevante Rhodes who played Gaylord Nebraska Williams. The character's name is Gaylord. Now, they call him Nebraska because, quote-unquote, I don't like my first name because it's Gaylord. Oh, my God. This... Well, we're, we're laughing about a character who's named Gaylord. This is stuff that I used to laugh at when I was in sixth grade. Younger, fourth grade. This is potty humor, to the lowest extent, and this is my first dislike of the movie.
1: <sighs>
0: anyway, Travante Rhodes was in Bird Box. Remember that film that came out pretty much this time last year with Sandra Bullock? I liked it. No one else seemed to like it. But he played Tom, like the main guy in it. Keegan-Michael Key. He played Coil, and if you don't know who Keegan-Michael Key is, he's been in a few things, especially voice acting, but uh, The Lion King, the newest Lion King that came out this year, Toy Story 4, which came out this year, Hotel Transylvania 3, Hotel Transylvania 2, he's done a lot of voice works, but you would probably know him as one half of the comedy duo Key and Peele. This guy.
1: Alright, listen up, y'all. I'm your substitute teacher, Mr. Garvey. I taught school for 20 years in the inner city, so don't even think about messing with me. Y'all feel me? Mm -hmm. Okay, let's take a roll here. Jay Quellen. Where's Jay Quellen at? No Jay Quellen here?
0: Yeah. Uh, do you mean Jacqueline? Okay, so that's how it's gonna be. Y'all wanna play.
1: Okay, Dan. I've got my eye on you, Quillen.
0: The guy that's always with Jordan Peele and does those awesome sketches that I love. Uh, he's in this movie. And we'll get into his character later. Next is Thomas Jane, who plays Baxley. Thomas Jane is an actor who usually isn't in the background of movies, but for some reason he is in this. Um, Thomas Jane is known for The Mist, Deep Blue Sea, 1922, plus a whole bunch of movies, but those are the most notable for me anyway. Thomas Jane's a great actor. I really like Thomas Jane, and he is an actor that should be in the forefront of giving movie, but in The Predator, he is, he's not, it's not like he's not barely in it, but he, he's nowhere near the top cast, um, and he doesn't really do much. Alfie Allen who plays Lynch. Now, this guy is... (laughs) You probably don't remember him, to be honest. This guy is the Irish guy in the ragtag crew of soldiers. Um, He plays Lynch, who I think is the sniper or something like that. One or the other. I don't know. Uh, But he is the younger brother of Lily Allen, who, if you don't know by name, she is a pop singer. I don't even know if she's around anymore. But she sang that song that, that says, Fuck you. Fuck you very very much. You know this one. Because you know she's edgy and cool and 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 says fuck in her songs. I don't I don't actually mind that song. It's it's catchy somewhat. Anyway, Augusto Aguilera, who plays Nettles. Uh, I couldn't really find anything about this guy. There's not much information about him at all. Olivia Munn, who plays Casey. Um, The name sounds familiar, but I went in through IMDB and I couldn't pick any movies that she's been in that I've seen or am familiar with. But I went to a trivia, and did you know Olivia Munn competed in the World Championship for Rock, Paper and Scissors Tournament? That is pretty incredible. I'm fucking bull. I didn't even know there was a fucking tournament for that. Holy shit. Good on you, Olivia Munn. You were in a bad movie, plus you were in a weird tournament. Congratulations.
1: You done messed up, A.A.
0: Ron! Next, we have Sterling K. Brown, who played Traeger. Trigger? Traeger, I think. I don't know. I didn't really pay attention to this character because he was dog shit. Uh, Once again, Sterling K. Brown, another actor with a familiar-sounding name but I don't recognize him from anything, but I went to his trivia and did you know that Sterling K. Brown cried when nominated for two screen actor guild awards in the same year. He also cried when he won two screen actors guild awards in the one year. So he likes to cry. Good on him. Uh, Last but not least, Jacob Tremblay, who plays Rory McKenna. Now I saved him for last because in my opinion, this actor is the best part in the whole movie. Not his character, the actor. I'm a big fan of Jacob Tremblay, and if you don't know who Jacob Tremblay is, for for one, it sounds like a complete stage name, Tremblay. <laughs> I mean, going from that movie due date. Uh, but anyway, that's his real name. Jacob Tremblay was in a movie called Before I Wake, and that's where I first heard of him, or first saw him. J- uh, Before I Wake was a movie that was directed by Mike Flanagan, And I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it when I first saw it. It came out in 2014, 15, I don't remember when, it was a bit fucked around with the years. But it's a great movie, it's on Netflix, and he just kills it in that movie. Very sad, very sad uh, movie, made me cry multiple times. But uh, he was also in uh, another movie that I recently watched like two days ago called Good Boys. Good Boys is a comedy It's not a horror in the slightest. What it is, is it's Seth Rogen produced film. So you kind of know what you're getting. Dick and tits and ass jokes. Uh, But this is basically super bad. But if it was with kids from the sixth grade. So it was enjoyable. It was fun. I had a good time with it. I'll probably watch it again. Um, But Good Boys is definitely worth your time. If you see it on Netflix or anything like that, click on it. Um, but, and he was also in Dr. Sleep, which I have not seen yet, but Jacob Tremblay, great little actor, only young little guy, he's probably 13, 14, something like that, but I am a fan of his, so he was one of the reasons why I wanted to see The Predator, not just for the fact it was a Predator film, but he was in it, so that was a big plus for me. This movie is written by Fred Decker and Shane Black. Now let's jump over to Fred Decker for a second, because this guy has a few a few credits to his name, a few interesting credits. He's directed The Night of the Creeps, which was a great movie uh, if you are a horror fan. <laughs> it's, it's, it's cheesy fun, um, I wouldn't recommend it if you are in and out of the horror genre, but if you are a full blown horror head, Night of the Creeps is decent and fun. He also directed The Monster Squad, which I say everyone needs to check out because that's a fun movie. But he wrote he wrote the movie House, which is funny because we'll be doing that very soon. And he wrote the, the story to House 2, so we'll talk about that uh, very soon. Let's go to Shane Black now, and this is where I'm going to round it out with who is in this movie and who made this movie. Shane Black, written and directed, I must add, by Shane Black. Now, you must, you probably already know this, but Shane Black was in the first Predator film. He was not only in the first Predator film, but apparently, he helped write the story. Which, I could not find any facts if that was true. That's just what I've heard on the grapevine. But if that is in fact true, well done Shane Black. You helped create one of the best sci-fi horror masterpieces out there. You went on to direct one of the worst sci-fi horror masterpieces out there.
1: You done messed up,
0: A.A. Eh, but he starred, or well, not starred, but he appeared in the original uh, Predator film. His character was Hawkins, and he was the first victim in that movie. So if you go back to that movie, which you definitely should, you'll see Hawkins, and he's the guy that directed and wrote this movie. He's also gone on to write the uh, Lethal Weapon story. Uh, He's directed Iron Man 3, The Nice Guys, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, uh, and a few more other films. The funny thing is I've never seen any of those films that I just mentioned. So I can't actually tell you if he's a good director or not. Um, Apparently those films there are a lot of fun and, and great, but I couldn't tell you if they are or not. So don't listen to me. The one thing I can tell you about Shane Black is he does have good taste in movies. On his IMDb trivia, it lists The Exorcist and Jaws as one of his all-time favorite movies. So, obviously, he's got good taste with those two films. It also says one of his favorite films is Juon, The Grudge, which, uh, if you know me, I'm a big fan of that film, and it scares the shit out of me. (laughs) So, Shane Black, he has some taste. I'll give him that. Uh, Does he know how to write a movie? Well... (laughs) Let's talk about it, because we have a lot to talk about with The Predator, this movie. And apologies in advance, because I might get a little heated talking about this film, because this one really disappointed me. And we'll talk about that. So where to start? Well, I guess the first thing to talk about is my first views, my first thoughts coming out of the cinema. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a little story right now of my first thoughts after coming out of the cinema. I went into the cinema with a bunch of friends. It was a guy's night, and all of us guys there were ready to see The prototype. A few guys you would remember uh, have been on this show. Of course, uh, my good friend Blinky, we've had him on the show. One of our faithful listeners, Huxley, was there. And another guy by the name of Chris Paley, who has appeared on this show multiple times with Paley's Musical Minute. Paley is a guy who I know, just like me, uh, who has a massive boner for the Predator franchise. So <laughs> after we watched the film, I was sitting next to Paley and, and and the credits were rolling. I turned to him and I said, what did you think? And I remember this clearly like it happened yesterday. Paley looked at me and goes, I don't know. And that's exactly, exactly how my thoughts were until I really let it sit and, and process in my brain as, as to what I saw. And after letting it sit there for a while, after a few days or a few weeks, I really came to the conclusion that this movie is filled to the brim with plot holes, stupid storylines that doesn't, make, doesn't really go anywhere, and a lot of dumb decisions. And I was really disappointed. So disappointed to the fact that this was my number one worst film of 2018. That's saying a lot for a fucking Predator film. A Predator film. Now, going to my background with the Predator franchise. If you know me well, you will know that Predator, the original Predator movie, is in my top five of all-time favorite movies. I love the original Predator. It's an absolute blast. It's an absolute perfect film to me, and it's a 10 out of 10. I think it's absolutely brilliant. The franchise as a whole, I was always kind of a fan of, until one Mr. Chris Paley, who I mentioned before. Really opened my eyes and told me to go back and watch Predator 2. And I did. And alas, it's not as good as I remembered. It's still a lot of fun, but I remember it being a lot better. <laughs> the uh, the Predators that came out in 2010. That was another movie where I was a bit disappointed coming out, but it's since grown on me and I actually really enjoy that film. I still think that Adrian Brody really overdid it with the acting and the Arnold Schwarzenegger wannabe but beyond that, the film's kind of fun. The AVP films. Ugh, man, I, this, it's hard for me because I, I want to love these films. I'll tell you straight out, AVP 2 Requiem is a piece of shit and is by far the worst Predator film out there. AVP 1, it's, it's not what it could have been, but it's, it's alright, I guess. So let's talk about The Predator. I will mention that upon revisiting it, this is the only the second time where I've, I've watched it. So (laughs) looking at it now, I really had to use my notebook and write down notes and I've got a lot to say. So let's jump into it. Let's jump straight into the likes of the predator. (coughs) Eat your pussy. Wait, what? How you doing?
1: No, you just said eat your pussy.
0: Hey. No, no, you don't. no, you said,
1: eat my pussy. What the fuck is wrong with him? I
0: said, I said you're pushy. He, a he said, you're pushy. No, you no, said, eat no. your pussy. I said, sheesh, you're pushy.
1: No, you I said, eat my pussy. No, that's what he
0: said. I heard it. He's, he said, yeah, pushy.
1: Which is it's also fucking condition. rude. He doesn't mean you're pussy in particular. Like that. What are you saying? You're insane, right? Are you fucking insane? Uh, probably. Well, Maybe. what's it going to be? He's fucking crazy. Fuck dude. you, Baxley. Stay the fuck away from me.
0: So, if we're going to jump into likes, I guess we have to jump to the start of the movie. And it opens up with a semi kind of Star Wars opening, which I, I'm not a fan of Star Wars in the slightest. It's just not my thing. I understand it has its fans out there, but I'm not one. Uh, but it starts off with uh, two spacecrafts traveling uh, and, and fighting each other, I guess. And I, and I will have to admit, I'm not here, I'm not going to completely rip on the film. The film is pretty. I mean, it's shot well, it looks great, especially on Blu-ray, so I will give it its credit where credit is due. Now, the opening scene, pretty much, you know what's funny, pretty much up until we see The Ultimate Predator, I wasn't completely hating the film. I'll admit, I I, I could tell that it was a piece of shit still, but I I wasn't ripping into it as much as I will later on. I was like, it's okay, it still didn't grab me or anything like that, but... Up until we meet the main predator, the, the super predator, whatever you want to call it, it it had its redeeming qualities. And the first part we have, there is a scene in it where the predator is invisible, blood goes over the predator, and all you can basically see is the predator's eyes, the sunken eyes of the predator, and it looks great. Those visuals are unreal. I love that scene. It looks just fantastic. And you've got the whole starting scene with... Um, boyd holbrook's character quinn mckenna and how he's a sniper in the army and how he how he's got this mission to go out kind of much like the uh the original predator where you've got a military force they're on a mission they run into a predator same kind of thing but in this one it happens very very quickly and you see the predator very very quickly it's not a bad thing in my books because we've all established what the predator is. Everyone knows what the predator looks like. So that's fine. We can, we, we can take away the mystery element of this, of the movie, but it's the, it's some of the scenes and the opening scene of this movie just really kind of pulled me in this second view. So my first like is the opening scene. My second like that I have to mention is the gore in this movie, and I'll give credit, Shane Black did say that this movie is going to be rated R, and he didn't hold back. This movie is filled with gore, and there are a lot of cool things, gore-wise, that happened in this movie that really caught me off guard. I will mention that one thing that probably the best scene of the whole movie for me is Predator biting someone. Now, we've all seen what Predator looks like. He has those mandibles. And I don't think I've ever wondered this, but now seeing it, it makes completely sense. I don't, has anyone out there wondered, does the Predator bite people? I mean, he could, he could cause some damage with those fucking mandibles. And clearly he does. He does that in this movie, and I love that scene. It's probably my favorite scene in the whole movie, when the Predator bites someone's arm. That's just great. But the gore in this is over the top, But not ridiculous. It's well done. And it's everything you want in a Predator film. They do not shy away with a lot of things. So well done on the gore. Thank you for making this film bloodthirsty. Because that's exactly how a Predator film should be. I like how this film is a sequel to the original Predator films. And they mentioned that in the movie. They mentioned that the events of 1987 and 1997 took place. And it was funny. when, When they mentioned 1997, I had to think, and I was like, wait. Predator Two was made in nineteen ninety, but then I realised that it was set in nineteen ninety-seven. So well done on that. I do actually like how they kept the continuity up with this movie. There is no real mention of two thousand and ten Predators, but I mean that was on a different world, so uh, that's fine. But I do like how they mentioned what happened to what what happened in nineteen eighty-seven and nineteen ninety-seven. My next like has to go to the Predator itself. Now, I'm only talking about the first Predator, the smaller Predator of the two, because that one is a guy in a suit, and it looks awesome. It looks like the Predator we know and we love. It looks like the original 1987 Predator, but done better, uh, it moves exactly how Kevin Peter Hall did in the first uh, Predator movie, everything about it is great, the the mask itself, then you've got the, the face behind the mask, just looks awesome, the mandibles look sharp, all the weapons are there that you know and you love, so well done with the first Predator, I'm only talking about the first smaller Predator in this film, because we're going to talk about the bigger one in a different little segment called Dislikes, very soon. Before I wrap it up, I will go into my last and final likes, and that is the technicality of this film. Now, it's not the actor's fault that this is a bad story. They did a decent job of the acting. It's not their fault that they were given shitty writing and everything like that. I will commend them. The acting is fine in this movie. It's not going to blow you away or anything like that, but it's doable. So I'll give them that. The cinematography is Uh, up and down. There are scenes that look great. There are other scenes where the camera is a bit all over the place and doesn't really know what it's doing. And the last thing I will mention is the score on this movie, which wasn't done by the original composer. I'm not too sure why. But this one follows the same trend that the original movie had, and it sounds awesome. I love the Predator theme that they use in it. Uh, So well done on the score. As for anything else I liked about this movie... Um, nope, that's it. So I think it's time to get into dislikes.
1: Hey, Baxley. Question for it. All right, here we go. How do you
0: circumcise a homeless man? Here it goes. Kick your mom in the chin.
1: <laughs> fuck you, motherfucker. <laughs> shut the fuck up. Right. Well, you shut the fuck up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the dislikes portion of this show is about, uh, double the size of the likes, so without further ado, let's just jump into it, and some of these are somewhat petty, I'll admit, I I nitpicked a lot of this film, but man, it's a predator film, they should have known better, the first thing I've got to say, and, and I said in the likes that I like how they refer to the previous films, but this also goes into my dislikes, because they reuse lines from the same movie, and I really don't like it when they did it, for example, if they ever did remake Jaws or made a Jaws sequel or anything like that, if they ever used a line, we're going to need a bigger boat, I'd probably walk out of the cinema. I fucking hate that, okay? It's not cool. It's just a cheap pop to make audiences go, haha. And I just, I fucking hate it. So when the character, I don't know what character, said, get to the choppers, I'll admit, it's creative, he doesn't mean helicopters, he means choppers as in motorcycles. Creative, but still groan-worthy. Then you've got Olivia Munn's character saying, you're one beautiful motherfucker, instead of you're one ugly motherfucker. Like, it's like, oh, come on, okay? It's, it's groan-worthy, and it just takes me out of that film. So, look, I'm nitpicking, I'll be the first to admit it, but it's just, it just bothers me. The next dislike I have to give, and I know most people out there are going to disagree with me, but I've never been a a fan of the Predator Dogs. And it goes back to the 2010 film as well, where they had the dogs in that. I, I just don't like it. I'll admit, the dogs in 2010 look so much better than these ones. These ones look like fat blobs with teeth. They don't look like anything. They look stupid. They have the same fucking haircut as the Predators, which is, oh my God, why would you do that? Do, oh my God, I'm not even going to start. But the Predators, the Predator dogs in this movie really don't do anything. I think they're just in it for comedic value. I mean, yeah, one of them throws a grenade and that's basically it. But the thing about the Predator dogs is they're stupid. Especially the one that gets shot in the head and then turns good. That's what happens to Predator Dogs. You shoot them in the head and they're your best friend, apparently. Not only that, they play fetch with you. The Predator Dog plays fetch in this movie. Why are we watching a dog play fetch in a Predator film? Do I need to see that? No. Do I want to see that? No. I don't even want to play fetch with my own dog. Fuck this. Are you serious? Predator the dogs. Give me a break. So I just, I can't stand it. They look like shit too. The CGI is horrible. I mean, I can't be the only person in this world who thinks the idea of Predator the dogs is groan worthy and just stupid. Okay. Here's, here's a little hint for you guys out there in movie land and Disney and all that stuff because you're listening to this podcast take a hint next time you make a predator film scrap the idea of predator dogs because they just come off stupid they look ridiculous and they serve no purpose what the hell did this dog do in this movie besides drop a grenade that was it you are in there for comedic value only and we had enough of that through the whole movie so scrap the predator dogs it's a stupid idea
1: okay new rule no one shoots my fucking dog
0: all right, it's time we talk about the elephant in the room, <laughs> the super predator, the super predator. They refer to it as the super predator, like it's fucking Superman or something like that. Okay, here's my problem with the super predator. Not only does it look like shit, it's another stupid idea and stupid storyline that goes nowhere in a sea for stupid storylines. But the biggest problem about this film is, of course, the way it looks, okay? It's done with complete CGI, which I'll get to in trivia later because Shane Black said something that blew my mind. But this is done a complete CGI. And I get it. This predator is about 12 fucking feet, which is another thing that I don't like. I, I, and I know, I know there are tall people out there, so I'm guessing there has to be tall predators, because predators are basically just like us. But it's the way he looks in the face. This doesn't look like a predator. I mean, yes, it's got the predator tri- attributes, the hair and the mandibles, but it looks like a fat frog. Every time I look at it, I look at I, I, I see a cane toad type quality to it. And I just really, really don't like it. On top of that, and, I'm, and I'm, I know I'm nitpicking right now, I know that. But the Predator doesn't wear anything. He's basically a really bad CGI wrestler Predator that just looks horrible. Who doesn't have the same clothes and, and attire that every other Predator wears. Which kind of took me out. This Predator is basically naked. Which is funny, because I'm a big pro-wrestling fan, so you'd think that'd be up my alley. But no, it just does not work for me here. And we'll get into the storyline of this Predator a bit later. But for right now, I'm talking about the look. It's just ridiculous. It looks stupid. And there are scenes in this movie that just look so bad. And especially for something with an $80 million budget, you'd think they'd get right. But no. But no. Let's talk about the comedic timing of this movie. Well, the com- the comedy part of this movie. Because I sat down and watched this with Jaleesa, my wife. And she's never seen this movie before. As I said before, we went to a, a boys' screening only. And um, <laughs> and she has never seen it. And she came out liking it. Um, she kind of didn't see my problems with it. But she is not a, a huge fan of Predator as I am. So she kind of just enjoyed it for face value. But she is a massive comedy fan. She loves comedy movies of all sorts, just like I love horror movies of all sorts. So she was kind of into the whole comedic thing with this movie. But for me, not only was there way too much comedy in this film, which you don't need that in a part of the film, I mean, go back to the first part of the film, there was only a couple of jokes in that movie, which is fine. But for the whole movie to be joke after joke after joke after joke, it really takes you out of the scary situation or the sci-fi situation of this movie. So I really didn't like how they just kept joking after jokes and it, just, it was stupid. Not to mention the comedic timing is off and that comes down to sloppy editing. This film relies too much on comedy and I said before it's a franchise that doesn't need it. I'll admit, I'll be the first to admit, there were a few lines in there that did make me laugh. For example, Thomas Jane's character has Tourette's, and if you know my sense of humor, that shit kind of tickles me. So I did giggle a few times with that, but it comes off as a distraction in the end. It really, really does. So just don't, okay? Scrap the, the comedy, all right? I have one or two jokes near. there, yeah, that's fine, but... To make this movie a comedy, which it pretty much is, this movie's a full-blown comedy. It's not a fucking action movie, it's not a it's not a horror movie, it's not a sci-fi movie. I mean, yeah, it has those elements, but for the most part, I was laughing more than I was entertained in this movie, which isn't good for a predator film.
1: Hey Baxley! Question for you. Hey, right, here we go. How do you mm-hmm. circumcise a homeless man? Here it goes. Kick your mom in the chin. <laughs> fuck <you> him <laughs> up, fuck <her> <laughs> up. <laughs> Shut the fuck up! <laughs> you shut the,
0: fuck up. <laughs> the next dislike is the character some of the characters in this film, they served no purpose. They weren't even meant to be in this film. And and I look at it and I think if that character was not in the movie, would it have done anything? Would it have served a purpose? Would it would it have helped flow the story or or held back the story in any way? And there was a few characters that no. There was no reason for this character to be in this film at all. For example, let's talk about the wife. um, Boyd Holbrook's character's wife in this movie. She's in it for a couple of scenes and and all she really does is explain how good Quinn McKenna is as a soldier. That's it. And then we see the super predator destroy her house and we don't see her again. Now, could we really have done this movie without her? God damn right we could. There was no reason to have her in it let 's talk about another another character in this movie, and i didn 't even mention him in the in the cast because there 's really no need to and that is jake busey 's character that 's right. Jake Busey is in this film now if you don 't know who Jake Busey is he 's the son of actor Gary Busey, you know the one with the teeth. Gary Busey was in the in the Predator Two film as a character called Keys. Now, Jake Busey is in this film as a character called Keys. Now, <laughs> Keys in Predator 2 was killed. This one is his son in this. And I love that. I loved how they brought back someone from the, the previous Predator films. But the thing is. Gary is in this movie for less than five minutes and he serves no purpose in it. The only real reason he's in it is because he says, my name is Keys. And you're like, ha ha, shit, Predator 2. Hell yeah, good work. But no, he serves no purpose in this film. He doesn't do anything and he's killed off in less than four minutes. So him as being in this film was pointless. Why do it? Is it only for the cheap pops? Is that all you're giving us? Fuck out of here. The next lot of shit we got to talk about, which really bothered me, is the amount of loopholes in this film. There is so many loopholes and so many factual errors that do not make sense and should not have been in this movie. For example, Jacob Tremblay's character has Asperger's, uh, I think, or autism, one of the two, I cannot remember exactly, but it is it is alluded to that he is the next step in the human evolution. Okay, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll go with that if you want. But the thing is, he's a child. He's about eight or seven. And this is the only kid, the only, sorry, the only person in the world that can read predator language. Like, are you, really? Is that what we're going for? And it's not just that aspect of the film that really bothered me. What about the fact that a genetic scientist, meaning Olivia Munn, becomes a super soldier? In, in, without any training or anything like that. And okay, I guess. I guess I can let that slide because we don't know her background. She could have been raised in a military background. That's fine. But let's go to other, other plot holes. Going back to Jacob Tremblay's character. Early in the movie, we established that he has a problem with loud sounds. Yet, <laughs> later on in the movie... There are gunshots and explosions going off and nothing bothers him at all. So, like, where's the continuity in that, you know? Now, let's jump over to the ragtag crew of soldiers. I keep calling them ragtag crew because that's how IMDB has listed them. So, I'm just going to go with that because I've got nothing else to call them. There are so many <laughs> moments in this film where they just, just come around the corner in a vehicle or something. And you're wondering... Where the fuck did this come from? For example, cop cars and buses, when a bay goes, and I guess, yeah, fine. There are a group of soldiers on the run. They could have just grabbed it off the road and everything. But there is a scene in the movie where they come around the corner and for some reason they have a helicopter. Like, where the fuck did you get a helicopter from? It makes no sense. Uh, look, I'm not here. I don't need to be spoon-fed, but for Christ's sakes, please, give me some continuity in this stuff. What about, what about going back to Olivia Munn's character, who played Casey? She is an evolutionary biologist who once wrote a letter to the government asking about life on other planets. These two facts apparently qualify her to be the first responder to the arrival of extraterrestrial life. That That's exactly right. They called her to help out with the alien because she is an expert who volunteered for the job as a child. My Jesus fucking Christ. They really did not think things over with this. Okay, alright. I'm going to wrap it up, kind of, with giving you my last big plot hole in this movie. And this one is the biggest one. And I think it's the one that most people... Most people realized after the movie was done. Okay, we're going to talk about the Predators here. The actual main character of this movie. You know, the movie was named after these characters. So, in an, what we have here are two Predators basically running from each other. Well, chase, one's Chase the other one. Blah, blah, blah. The story is, in an act of betrayal against all Predators... A rogue predator flew through a wormhole in space to Earth with the mission of dropping off predator-killing equipment so that humans would be able to defend themselves against the rest of the predators, who were planning on taking over the planet once climate change renders humans obsolete. A second bigger predator comes to Earth then to kill the rogue predator and to retrieve the equipment it was hoping to drop off. Okay, that's... Basically, the premise of this movie and the story that, 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 that's, that's stupid. That's stupid. But here's the thing: what kind of literature did the good predator? Pre, sorry, the good predator read about global warming and climate change, and why would the good predator give a shit about humans? Why does he care? Why does he want good human like the humans to to win over the other predators? Now, here's my other thing. Why didn't the good predator tell anyone he was good? He was there to save humans, but he was killing them. Why? <laughs> Why weren't you there trying to save them? Oh my fucking god! This movie just does my head in. I, I just, I can't, th- I can't believe how stupid and and how dumb, dumbly written this movie is. Fuck. It's using a
1: translator Hello, I have enjoyed watching you kill each other I came here to destroy this vessel You cannot have it What you can do is run I detect one among you who is a true warrior, the one called Matt Kenna. He will be your leader. He will be my prize. I offer time advantage. Go. What the fuck is time advantage? Like a head start?
0: Look, wrapping it up here, and I've got to kind of wrap it up here because I'm getting angrier. <laughs> the more I talk about this, the angrier I'm getting. But let me wrap it up here. I'm going to wrap it up with my final thoughts and my score for the movie. My final thoughts are, this is a good action film. I'll, I'll, I'll use the term good loosely. It's an, it's a acceptable action film. It's a somewhat okay sci-fi film. What it is not is a good Predator film. It's a horrible Predator film. This is something that shouldn't have been made. It's, it's dumb, and honestly, this is the kind of story that I was expecting a fan film. You know what's funny? There's a fan film out there called Predator Dark Ages, which shits all over this film. Go watch that instead of this one. This movie is a complete disappointment. It's written so badly. It's, it's just trash. But there are elements of the movie that are enjoyable. I will say that. So for that, look, I gave this movie a 5 out of 10. It's at average at most. Should you go and see it? (laughs) That's the thing. I mean, like, I'll advise no one to buy this film. No one at all. It... In Australia, it's not on any streaming services that I've come across. Uh, that's really the only way I'd say to see it, if you are a big fan of Predator films. If you are a fan of action films, yeah, go check it out. But if you have any love for the Predator franchise, this one's going to ruffle your, your feathers. I guarantee that much. So, Predator 2018 is a 5 out of 10 for me. Okay, it's about this time in the show where I usually give you the film trivia, So, let's just jump into horror movie trivia.
1: Horror movie trivia.
0: So, the trivia for The Predator, and I have a bit here. (laughs) Not going to lie. Shane Black wrote Thomas Jane's character Baxley with Tourette's symptoms because Black has Tourette's. There you go. Something I didn't know. The film was originally conceived as a reboot of Predator, until Shane Black came aboard and confirmed he would be making a sequel instead, as he wanted to continue to explore the Predator mythology. I mean, he didn't really, but okay. Arnold Schwarzenegger turned down the opportunity to return as Dutch. Damn it. After the success of Iron Man 3, Shane Black was approached by 20th Century Fox with an Iron Man 3-sized budget to direct a new Predator movie, and he could not resist. Well, he should have. When Casey Brackett, Munn, of Olivia Munn, first enters the lab and is examining the recovered Predator items, on the shelves in the background contains the Xenomorph Tail Spear from AVP, Alien vs. Predator from 2004. That's cool. I like that. I like how they do things like that in movies. Adrian Brody expressed interest in reprising his role from Predators. That would have been cool too. Actor Steve Wilder, also known as Steve Wilder-Striegel, was originally cast as a minor character in this movie. But 20th Century Fox removed his scenes a few days before picture lock when actress Olivia Munn informed the studio that he was arrested, charged, and registered as a sex offender in 2010. After facing allegations that he attempted to lure a 14-year-old girl into a sexual relationship via the internet, director Shane Black who had already cast Striegel in small roles in Iron Man 3 and the Nice Guys, initially defended the casting as giving an old friend a second chance, but later apologized and took full responsibility for causing such controversy. Oh man, this one is a hard thing to talk about. Because on one hand, he was a sex offender, and he should rot and burn in hell, and he should die. On the other hand, he's done his dues And all that stuff. You know what? No, fuck. He should burn in hell. Anyone that tries to fuck 14-year-old girls should die. Uh, Shane Black confirmed via Twitter that the film would be rated R. He tweeted that, and i quote, And just to be clear, PG-13 is for pussies. Spines bleed. A lot. Black also tweeted, I am standing on set next to a 7-foot-tall gentleman in a predator suit. So no, it is not all CGI. This tweet confirmed that this movie will stay true to the original by having this, the predator who played, sorry, by having the predator be played by a guy in a suit instead of CGI. Really, Shane Black? Really? Is that really what you went with? That's complete bullshit. Because you have Super Predator here, complete CGI. So what you're talking about is utter bullshit. Go fuck yourself, Shane Black. You done messed up, A.A. A. According to reports from these involved in the film, leaked scripts and behind-the-scenes production stills, Shane Black's original cut of the film had almost completely different third act, which took place during day instead of night, and it it included the loonies, uh, aka the ragtag crew, and the army joining up with newly arrived good predators, and then fighting with them against Upgrade and other predator hybrids, which he brought with him in his spaceship. Oh my god. And originally the reason why Fugitive Predator was running from Upgrade is because he was trying to prevent him from stealing those hybrids back. The early leaks behind the scenes stills, showing Loonies and Predators dressed in army camouflage gear <laughs> and driving an armoured personal carrier were from the original ending, which also included Rory helping the Loonies and others by flying upgrade spaceship. Different death scenes, one of which was shown in another still picture where Coyle's mutilated body is covered with body parts from one of the dead Predator hybrids. And the ending didn't include the sequel bait like last scene, when, the one where they get the, uh, the Predator killing suit. However, poor test screenings of the original cut, the studio demanded big reshoots and changes be made on the film, and especially the entire third act. One of the demands... <laughs> One of the demands they had for the new third act was to add more action <laughs> because they thought the original was too talky. <laughs> this explains many plot holes, continuity mistakes, and bad editing problems the movie suffered from. So, my God. Edward James almost had all these scenes cut out due to this since his character, an army general who had a big role in the original third act and throughout the rest of the original cut, no longer fit the new reshoot version of the film, and according to Ormus, his character was also cut out due to pacing issues and because movie was too long. All of the trailers for the film and behind the scene videos show many different deleted, extended, and alternative scenes from the original cut and the original ending. Like McKinnon running across the street while holding a gun, oh, there's a lot of shit here, I really don't care. But yeah, it's confirmed that studios did in fact ruin this film. Last one here, the original ending of the script features a cameo appearance by Dutch Schaefer, aka Arnold Schwarzenegger from the first film. After defeating the super predator, Quinn, Casey and Rory are resting when a helicopter lands and Dutch describes with a face haunted etched by Pan... Steps out and tells the three of them he has to come with them. Schwarzenegger read the script and turned the offer down. I don't know, I don't blame him, to be quite honest. He probably looked at it and go, this is a piece of shit. I'm not putting my name to it at all. Because as everyone knows, Anna Schwarzenegger is the world's best actor. That is it for trivia. I think it's about time now. Actually, no. No. Before we do the part of tens, it's about time that I tell you... My ideas for a Predator film, and I've got five here, five different ideas, and I'll admit they're not all from me. Some of these I found from Google, but five nonetheless. So let's go with number one. So a Predator film that would be better than the story we got. A movie that takes place before Predator 1, a prequel. It will have a young blood trying to become blooded and successfully do so. It will also show the Predator's planet, lifestyle, and have cameos from Scar, Wolf, Jungle Hunter, City Hunter, Crucified, and other Predators that we've seen in movies. There we go. That's a better story than the one we got. What about this one? Predators vs. Vikings. The Predator franchise has explored historic settings within their comics on a quite frequent basis often pairing up with the Predators against interesting opponents such as medieval knights, samurai warriors, and pirates, just to name a few. While these are all great ideas for a film, one of the most historic pairings that I would like to see is with the Vikings. How about that? Predators versus Vikings. You can do so much. And I mean, Vikings are in at the moment. You have the TV series Vikings and all these other things, uh, How to Train Your Dragon, which is all Vikings. So that'd be cool. And everyone likes Vikings. They're fun. This one, this is an idea that I had, and then I went on Google and someone else had it too, I'm guessing, but it's a really cool idea. Colonial Marines, and hear me out. The Aliens versus Predator films were bad. Even people who found some enjoyment in them have to admit that they're not good films. The comics that they were based upon, however, were very good, and it may be possible to try a crossover universe again, though doing so in a subtle way. Okay, so here's this, forget the xenomorph, forget the alien, keep it out of the film, don't even mention it. Instead, use the Colonial Marines as the protagonist for the Predators to hunt. The weapons and technology would instantly be recognizable to fans of the franchise, allowing people to enjoy it as a shared universe piece while still allowing it to be a Predator film. You can then set the film literally anywhere in the universe, you can create any kind of alien world on which the action can take place, you can begin to explore the predator culture more, possibly even including their real name, which is Yaucha. This setting would allow probably the most creative freedom and it could even be the basis for another attempt doing an alien vs. Predator film well into the sequel or spin-off. I fucking love this idea. How cool would it be hearing that smart gun noise and then seeing a Predator, the the red dot, come on your shirt. I, I think I'd love that idea. Give it to me. And I really think they should do another AVP film. I mean, what's stopping them, honestly? Just a few more left. A few more settings where the Predator could roam. Why not a war zone? Have it set in World War II, the Iraqi War, Vietnam. I think that's a cool idea, having Predator versus war people. What about, and this is one I've always had in my mind for ages. Go back to Predator 2. We went inside the Predator ship and saw a wall of different skulls. You see a human skull in there, you see a xenomorph skull in there, but you see a lot of beast skulls that we don't know about. Why not go back to the story of when the Predator had to hunt a different species? Make a new species. Why not? We could, we, could, we, could, we could expand this universe, the Predator universe. We already know that Xenomorphs live in this universe. Let's have different creatures come out of it. So that's it for better stories than what we've got. All right, let's wrap this show up. We're going to go to the part of 10s right now.
1: The part of 10s.
0: Okay, so we are in the Part of Tens segment for the show right now, and if this is your first time listening, let me explain what the Part of Tens is. I'm going to come in with a top 10 recommendations of something that relates to the film that we just reviewed. For example, last time we reviewed Santa's Slay, so we did top 10 Christmas horror films. So, this week we did The Predator, as I'm Sure, you're well aware of. So, for the part of tens this week, I'm going to give you the top 10 sci fi horror films, in my opinion. Before we jump into it, I'm going to give you some honorable mentions because doing this list, I actually realized that there is a lot of sci fi horror films out there that I really enjoy. And it was kind of tough making a top 10 list. So I've only got two honorable mentions, but I just cannot not say them. So the first one is (laughs) Maximum Overdrive. And yeah, I know a bunch of you are probably saying, really? You really recommend this? Yeah, I do. It's one of those really bad films that's really, really enjoyable. Stephen King at his coked up best. We're talking trucks that kill people pretty much. It's a load of fun. It's absolutely nuts and insane and bonkers, whatever you want to say. Uh, but it is a very enjoyable film, and I have fun with it. So Maximum Overdrive is the first honorable mention. The next one is They Live. This one stars Roddy Piper, and you're probably thinking, Tim, you're a big wrestling fan. You, I, I, I was sure that this would be up your number one sci-fi horror film but unfortunately it just didn't crack that top 10 but still it is a very enjoyable film and probably the best fight scene in any single film i'll uh i'll i'll give it that so right let's start with the top 10 so for number 10 10 number 10 i'm coming in with something that may not be entirely sci-fi horror, but I mean, it's in the title. And the title is Killer Clowns from Outer Space. The space part says it all. This one is a ball of fun. It's not to be taken seriously. Obviously, by the name of that movie, you don't go in expecting an A plus movie. This one is silly fun. And the, I, I get it. The title may may turn people away. But this one is not to be ignored. It's a ball of fun. There is some really cool set designs, really cool costuming, really cool effects in it. It's from the 80s. You're going to get a lot of 80 cheese. But it is a ball of fun. And I I can pretty much guarantee you will not be bored watching this film. So number 10, Killer Clowns. Nine. Number 9 goes to a film that a lot of people, and I'm pretty sure most people would have this at their number 1 but my number 9 goes to alien the original alien and the reason this is so far down the list is because there are it's not my favorite in the in the series in the franchise um we'll get to that in a second hint hint but this is such a great film It's incredible. And this one, unlike the rest of the series, this one is full blown horror. The other one, the other films dabble in horror here and there, but this one is entirely horror. It's basically Jaws set in outer space. So it's definitely worth a watch. Uh, Sigourney Weaver's at her best. The creature designs are incredible. This one, if you haven't seen the original Alien, what are you doing with your life? I'm pretty sure most people have seen it, but for those people who haven't, this one is definitely worth a buy. My number 8 sci-fi horror film goes to one that I only saw for the first time about two years ago, and that is The Blob. And I'm talking about the remake of The Blob, 1988. The original's decent, I think it's 1958, don't quote me though. Uh, It's decent, but it comes off more of a comedy, the original. The remake of The Blob is one that had my jaw down to the floor. Because there is scenes in it that I was not expecting. Uh, children. Children in horror. Something that uh, you don't see very often. But this one is unreal. It's one of those 80s films that does so well with practical effects. So it's not to be missed. I honestly think that I may have to give it the the, the treatment here. the uh, The full review. Because it's a really good film, it's really enjoyable, the effects are un- insane, they're crazy, and I just love it. And it's been a while since I re-watched it, so maybe in need of a full review. So, number 8 is The Blob, the remake. 7. My number 7 sci-fi horror film is a film that we reviewed probably about 2 months ago, 2 or 3 months ago. And it is one of my childhood favourite films. Critters. Critters is my number seven sci-fi horror film, and I get it, it's not set in space or anything like that, but these little Critters, they come from outer space, so I'm classing it. Critters is a ball of fun, no pun intended. Um, it's it's gory, it's good times, there is a lot of action in it, there is some unreal soundtrack options, uh, you have an 80s hair rocker as, as one of your protagonists, uh, it's just an unreal film, I love it. You don't really have to go in with the uh, the franchise, especially the new Critters Attacks film. My God. Um, stay away from that. But the first Critters is definitely worth a watch. So my number seven goes to Critters. Six. Number six. Now, these next two options, we're stepping away from the out-of-space elements of sci-fi horror. And these go into different elements of sci-fi. My number six sci-fi horror movie is the invisible man the original invisible man this one obviously it has sci-fi elements with what he's done to himself so i'm classing it and if you look up google sci-fi horror this is one of the top picks so the invisible man is incredible it's a ball of fun and did you know that the invisible man out of all the horror icons has the highest body count and he only has like three movies so ah uh, there you go the invisible man is awesome the acting is incredible the the voice acting oh my god Beautiful, beautiful. Invisible Man is definitely worth your time. Yes, it is an older film, and I'm talking 1930s older, and it is black and white, but it is one that you should not be missed, and they're really easy to find lately. You can go and pick these up from really any DVD store, uh, relatively cheap. So go pick up all the Universal Monsters films, because they are worth a watch. So number six is The Invisible Man. Five. number five speaking about the universal monsters we are going to go in a different direction still underneath the sci-fi horror elements and that is the original frankenstein for obvious reasons this is a sci-fi horror film and this one is probably one of the best horror films all around uh it's incredible the everything is perfect about this the acting the directing the the effects the, even the score, everything is just really, really well done. And don't dismiss part two because its sequel is up there with one of the best horror movie sequels of all time, The Bride of Frankenstein. So give Frankenstein the time of day. You will not regret it at all. So number five is Frankenstein. Four. My number four. Well, this is the funny thing. My number four to my number one are all films that come from the 80s. You wouldn't pick that. But my number four goes to a little film called The Fly. And I'm talking about David Cronenberg's The Fly. This one, if you want to talk practical effects, my next two picks, you are going to have a ball of fun with practical effects. The Fly is gory, it's gross, it's disgusting, and it is it is one hell of a watch. It is incredible. The story flows perfectly and it is just a really, really good film. Probably one of the best remakes out there. The Fly. So this one is definitely worth a buy. Go and check it out. David Cronenberg's The Fly.
1: Three.
0: Number three. Talking about practical effects. You cannot go past probably one of the best. And I always put this on par with American Wealth and London for the best practical effects in cinema history. The Thing. The Thing is my number three pick for sci-fi horror films. This one is probably, and I really need to do this like a top 100 list of my all-time favorites, but I would say it would be in the top 10, maybe uh, top 20, maybe even the top 10. The Thing is just a perfect film. And you know what? We just came out of Christmas, but this one is kind of a Christmas film in a way. I, I mean, I'm stretching. I know that, but look at the elements. Snow. That's it. So so give The Thing your time of day, because this one is not to be missed. And i said that a lot about these films, but The Thing is up there with one of the best films of all time. So The Thing comes in at number three on my all-time sci-fi horror films to be seen. Two. My number two film for the best sci-fi horror films out there, in my opinion, is a little film that we will be reviewing very soon. That is Aliens. This is the sequel to Alien, and it is up there once again with one of the best horror sequels of all time. Uh, I say horror loosely because this one can come under a lot of genres. I mean, it has horror, it has action, it has sci-fi, all these different genres merged into one, but still, it has monsters in it, and I class it as a horror film. This one is perfection at its best, and it is my favourite uh Alien, fr- Alien film in all the franchise. So if you haven't seen Aliens, and I'm not going to talk too much about it because I'm sure most people out there have seen it, uh, it is definitely worth your time. So go pick up Aliens.
1: One.
0: My number one sci-fi horror film is Predator from 1987. This film just does everything for me. It is one of the films I grew up with and it was a film that I remember seeing for the first time and falling absolutely in love with it and it still holds up in my opinion. I don't, I, I would still watch it now and I still cannot believe how good and how well it's held up. It's just an incredible film. I love the cast. I love the design of the Predator. Everything about it is just Unreal perfection, and I think it's the reason why I'm so pissed off about the new Predator film because nothing can touch the original Predator in my opinion, and I think everyone's opinion is the same with that. Um, but if you haven't seen the original Predator, avoid the newest Predator film and go back to 1987 and check out Arnold Schwarzenegger and his his ragtag crew of soldiers trying to survive the Predator. So that is it for the part of 10s. If you want to give us your list of sci-fi horror films, please do so. We have a Facebook page out there, Horror for Dummies. Uh, We have Instagram. We have Letterboxd. If you want to follow us and see what we are watching, please do. And let us know how this new season of the Horror for Dummies is going. Are you a fan? Are you not? Tell us truthfully. I really would like to know. Any opinion is valid and we really, respect, we really respect it. So thank you so much, guys. Thank you for letting us enter into your earbuds and into your homes once again. We'll be back next week. What we are doing next week, I'm not 100% too sure. I'm still working out the schedule on things to come. But when we know, we will let you know. But I will tell you one thing. We are going to be doing Aliens uh, in the next coming weeks. I'm talking probably the week after next. We're going to be doing Aliens. The uh, the sequel to Alien. And we're giving it the full review here. Uh, so be prepared for that. Um, the reason being is because. Watching The Predator again. It's made me kind of want to watch Aliens again. So I thought why not. Let's do an Alien versus Predator month. Um, and enjoy ourselves here. So that is it for Horror for Dummies this week. Thank you so much. If you, are, if you want your opinions heard, let us know. Let me know what you think of The Predator. Were you one of the people, the few people in the world that liked the movie? I'm curious, and I want to know why. So let me know. Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff, do it. Uh, and we will see you next time here on Horror for Dummies.